everyone. I'm Dr. Susie Green, founder and CEO of the Positivity Institute. Welcome to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series one, where I'll be chatting to those pioneers of positive education, those who forge forward in their mission to create flourishing students, staff and whole school communities. I'll be speaking to positive education pioneers from various schools around Australia over coming weeks to talk with them about their experiences and journeys in positive education. The podcast series is generously sponsored by Perth College, who will also be hosting the fourth Positive Education in Perth conference this October, and we hope to see you there. Today, I'll be chatting to Leanne Carr. Leanne is the principal of St. Columba College in Andrews Farm, South Australia, and was appointed to the position in 2016. Leanne's a committed educational leader and an advocate for positive education. Leanne has engaged in a culture shift at St. Columba College to intertwine positive psychology in all aspects of college life with an aim to cultivate flourishing students, staff and community. Good morning, Leanne. Good morning, Susie. Thanks so much for joining us on the Pioneers in Positive Education podcast series. I'm going to ask a few questions today, but the first one that I'm going to start off with, which a lot of schools that are interested in, I guess, adopting this approach are very curious to know, what brought you to positive education? Or even more personally, what brought you, Leanne Carr, to positive education? So perhaps if I start with the school itself, uh, as you introduced uh me. The school is located in the northern suburbs of Adelaide and probably three to four or five years ago with the closure of Holden's uh, within the north, there was a, an endeavour there to be thinking around how the community could be supported and positive education was identified as an approach that could be very helpful for people within the community that lived here but also within schools themselves. So there were some schools uh, that initiated the teaching of positive education within their schools. And being a, a school that was in the local area, it seemed to us that uh, we should get on board. But of course, we started to investigate that and a few of our staff had done the course through Geelong Grammar. And when I started at the school back in 2016, it was about uh, working through what our, was going to be our strategic direction into the future. It seemed to me that what positive education could offer in our community, exactly what we were needing. So when we think about student learning and creating an environment that students can be engaged in, have successful incomes, attending to their well-being was a, also a, a priority. Uh, we were conscious of, and we well knew our context in terms of what young people bring to school, not dissimilar to what young people experience in every school. You know, feelings of anxiety, feelings of disengagement, working their way through in developing relationships with other people. And we thought that positive education fitted beautifully within our whole ethos as being a, and we're an Anglican and Catholic school. So that for us is about really teaching our young people what it truly means to be a human person. And we use Jesus as an example within that. But positive education for us was an opportunity there to be thinking about how we could utilise and take a very proactive approach about well-being. Instead of waiting until the problem arose uh, and using a counselling approach, which we have counsellors with across the school, but it was about for us what could be these tools that POSED uh, 
teachers about that we could then teach our students right across the school. So you mentioned you formally started uh, around 2016, which was the point that you commenced your position? Well, we actually explored for that first 12 months about evaluating where we were at in terms of uh, our current approach about working with our young people, you know, within learning and wellbeing. And then in 2017, as you well know, the Positivity Institute began working with the whole staff and uh, your workers with a couple of your colleagues we spent three days with you at the beginning of 2017. And I was very keen to have the whole staff involved, which was as much as 160 people. It was important, I thought, that everybody had the opportunity to learn about it themselves because the other aspect is about supporting staff wellbeing. So in terms of offering that to our staff as an opportunity there that would not only support their own wellbeing and their happiness, but then they could become the instruments or the the teachers themselves for all of our students in our community and the wider community as well. Yes, and I I do recall, thank you for acknowledging our uh, wonderful opportunity to work with you. And I do recall, and I often share this story, Leanne, when we are talking to schools looking at heading down this pathway, how you had, in fact, I guess, in a sense, I usually say stalked me <laughs> to some degree, um, yes. requesting that we run whole staff training because up until that point, we were in the main doing smaller groups. Um, and that really arose from some early experiences uh, when positive education really you know, first launched and there was still quite a lot of cynicism around what it was and, and misconceptions, I guess. And so we had made a strategic decision to just run the training training the PD in small groups and uh, I still recall a, a number of calls from you, you know, giving me a really strong rationale as to why we should do whole staff training and, and that was primarily down to the fact that you had invested quite a lot of time, Leanne, I recall, in meeting individually with members of staff and assessing where they were at and what their thoughts were. And and so really you had done a lot of preparatory work. And I think uh, that's one of the greatest tips that I have been offering to schools looking to, to launch positive education is do your preparatory work. Do as much preparation as you can, particularly if you want to run whole staff training. Look, I think you've uh, highlighted a really important point. If you're going to move into something quite new and introduce a change or an improvement, you've got to have your reasons behind why you want to move into that space. So if you can provide any kind of evaluation for staff, what does our data or what does our feedback, what does our results show about where we're currently at, where are our students' perceptions about schooling? What's their understanding about their own well-being? What do they see as their risk factors? Coupled with what does the research say? Because I think that's really important, not only just collecting your own evaluation and feedback, but marrying that up into current and contemporary research about how you want to strengthen a small community and strengthen learning, but also strengthen well-being. And that's what we did for that 12 months. And um, a number of people were able to contribute to that in terms of their own experiences of courses, their own readings about positive education, but also in terms of just the way that our students were performing at school itself. And we saw that this was a a great opportunity to take a positive, proactive approach, not a deficit approach. Our school is located in one of the most disadvantaged areas. And we know that our students are, are very capable, they're competent young people. 
and what can we do to take a, a positive, proactive approach that they can, you know, really develop themselves and be the best people that they can. Definitely. And you mentioned measurement, which of course is a topic that a lot of schools are very interested in and we still get a lot of queries around what's the best way to measure or evaluate. Can you talk to me a little bit more about what assessments you had done? I I recall that there had been some assessments that had been done before we commenced and uh, where you're at in terms of measurement right now. Look, we, uh, we use attendance data. Uh, we look at, at different times, young people needed some time away from school to reflect on their behaviour, etc. So in terms of just around monitoring behaviour progress, the progress of behaviour in the classroom, we collect that data, we look at that. Our numbers of students that we are working with through a counselling approach, so our counsellors are able to directly give information and feedback about how many young people they're uh, supporting across the school. Our learning outcomes was another one. So we used the macro, which is, of course, NAPLAN, but also our SACE results at Year 12, PAT reading, PAT maths, and then the ongoing assessment. Uh, in 2017, when we started and embarked on this journey, we then became involved with Curtin University, and that was uh, using some of their tools around student perception data about the classroom itself, but then we also have used a survey across the whole school called What's Happening in the School? And part of that survey is about uh, there's a wellbeing domain and also about what students identify as being their risk factors. And the third one is around a school organisational climate survey, which all staff undertake. So that was undertaken in 2017 as our starting data. And again, we'll, you know, we'll keep monitoring that. And then, of course, it's the quality of staff, feedback from teachers themselves, feedback from staff. And we've provided different forums for staff to, to discuss and talk about and then give their perspectives on what they believe is the, the current reality, as well as with student forums as well. And I know, Leanne, you've been heavily involved. Not all principals have as much involvement, in my experience, in rolling out positive education. I think, again, from my perspective, that's made a huge difference, your input here. But I am aware that you also have a team around you. And another, I guess, common question I'm asked is what sort of structure or what, you know, how best to roll this out. Do you have any recommendations or thoughts around that? Look, I you know, clearly uh, introducing a new role into the school in 2017, an assistant principal of wellbeing, out of 12. Uh, we've had a dedicated staff member, a leader, senior leader, who's been leading this work, not only through positive education, but around restorative practices, supporting, you know, positive behaviour in the classroom. And that's been an instrumental. There's a significant amount of time given to Deidre Waters, who heads this up, and what we also have done since 2017, we've had an R12 team that Deidre, that's her team, and they're probably what we call, you know, champions for this work in terms of, uh, and there's representation from both our junior, middle and senior school, and they meet quite regularly throughout the year. They're released out of class, but they're driving the direction for positive education. So they've been instrumental in planning staff development, professional learning sessions. For example, next week we've got Are You OK Week. So we're celebrating as a whole school on Thursday, Are You OK Day. But they've also planned staff wellbeing activities each day. So there's a walk on Monday. There's a, a gratitude tree in every staff room. 
So teachers can, you know, write down something that they're grateful for, and that will be displayed on the tree. There's a healthy lunch day. There's a body scan session at 8 o'clock one morning. And then, of course, we'll finish off with some social drinks on the Friday afternoon. So that's a, that's a dedicated kind of week, just to highlight around, you know, looking after staff, keeping them well. But we want to see those kind of initiatives happening throughout the year, not just within one week. But the students have been behind Are You OK Day? That's been an issue by our student leaders. And we'll begin with liturgy. And then there's different opportunities there through the day for our students to be engaging with each other and the staff in a different way than what they normally would normally do. Wow, so, great examples. Yeah, and look, you know, one of the things that we've just, the, the team and uh, with our AP uh, leading it is actually we've just, I think it's just about ready to be formally go to college council and it's called the Positive Education Framework. And that framework is um, highlights not only the five domains that we've highlighted on, we've looked at PERMA, but we're looking at the five domains for our work in the next two to three years is around uh, character strengths, gratitude, emotional intelligence, mental toughness, and physical health. So those five domains will be uh, what we're going to be promoting and what we'd be uh, wanting our teachers to be teaching those different uh, tools within the classroom. So the, the framework has got a statement that begins the framework, but then it goes into what we believe about each of those domains, what does the research say, and then it gives opportunities then for the teacher to be able to see the different strategies that they could use within the classroom. So it starts to highlight right across the framework Examples about how I could implement gratitude in the class. Examples of how I could teach mental toughness, which we've incorporated growth mindset into that domain. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that probably has become more evident, this is only, with, we're now only 18 months in. So when we think about 18 months of a moving into a whole school approach about this kind of work, you would expect three to five years to start to see some, some benefits here. But I think what it's offered us, actually, is probably more than what I was expecting at the beginning of this journey, is that we're becoming more stronger about, and there's still more work to be done, but how does positive education inform a calm classroom? So how can the teacher, whichever class they're teaching, whichever subject they're teaching, whether it's in the junior school, the middle, or the senior, to be very mindful, to be reciprocating around to be that actual role model about yeah. how to use some of these tools that can support social-emotional learning. So a good example could be that we know that gratitude can have, when it's, it's attended to, can have a, a great effect on uh, mental well-being. So it can contribute to lessening depression. So there's ways that we're thinking of around how could that teacher, when they come in, if they can notice that perhaps the class is not quite settled, ready for learning, but perhaps to invite the class to, to bring out their gratitude journal and just to give themselves two or three minutes to reflect on the day so far. Yes. Or it could be a mindful moment or it could be bringing up some quiet music just to allow the child or the class to settle but also to be conscious of where they are in the moment, what's their breathing, their heart rate like. And we believe that some of this kind of work will only just improve an impact on learning within the classroom. Definitely. And also, and as a flourishing young person. 
So obviously there is a, a place for, I guess, the explicit teaching and, and many schools have a dedicated curriculum, as you would know, but this approach in terms of really living it um, as an educator and looking for those um, moments where you can really bring it to life, where it's really going to be useful and meaningful, um, I think is can be equally as powerful, if not probably more powerful. Yeah, and look, as I said, we're, you know, I'd say we're in the emerging phase of this kind of work. We know that we've got to keep working with our teachers, with our whole staff, and we've been doing that. We've had a, a plan around that. So last Wednesday, every teacher from R to 12 spent the session after school working on the framework, talking, discussing. We had teachers from the team doing little breaks in between. So we had some fun as well. But in terms of keeping it planned, so it's not just done at the beginning of the year or at the end of the year, but actually having a plan where we're really planning those um, sessions continually for teachers to deepen their understanding, but also hopefully in time deepen and give them the opportunity to be very conscious of their own well-being. If we can look after the staff in that way, then I think they'll look after the, the students in that way. Definitely. So, I mean, as you would know, often a lot of the response from educators is that we don't we don't have time for this or it's an additional thing to do. So what would be your response then, I mean, based on what you've just, you know, referred to there, how have you, I guess, addressed that or helped the staff to see that it's not necessarily an additional thing to do? Well, first of all, it was identified as a strategic priority. So it's in our strategic plan. And so therefore, being very clear with the whole staff and that they've contributed to the strategic plan two years ago. So we're into our third year next year. So they've been very much part of the contribution to the priorities for the school. So they're, they're up front. They're named. The priorities are named. And so what we've done now is we've done two things that I think is important, being an R to 12 school setting. We're very clear around our teaching and learning framework. So we have got a school-wide pedagogical framework which the teachers have contributed to. So, in other words, what do they believe is best practice in the class? And we've got some guiding principles about that. So we're clear around what we're, we're wanting the classroom to be like and look like and what young people can experience. Yeah. And then we've got the wellbeing framework, which is yeah. positive education. So what we, we do know is that if we can attend to wellbeing, and we've always teachers have always worked towards this. This is not new. Yeah. But I think it's actually become more evident and prevalent. We've always had a, a focus on the whole child. We've always had a focus on not only just the intellectual or the academic development, spiritual for us, faith development, but the social, emotional and the physical. So I think what positive education brings to it is such a, a proactive way of, uh, of teaching this. And if we can... We know that if children are feeling good about themselves, if they're connected to peers at school, if they're connected to adults at school, then there's good outcomes for them. The learning will take place. So we do need to to work on both aspects. I don't think you can... I think we've moved, we need to move away from perhaps thinking that it's, it is certainly about outcomes, but I think uh, we've got to be, you know, working with children in a way that can really support them as whole people. Yes, and I do see more schools, uh, rather than having the traditional teaching and learning framework and or the pastoral or well-being framework, but, you know, more of an integrated teaching, learning and well-being, that it's all integrated together, which is wonderful to see. Yeah, and as you said, your question was about 
you know, how do you make this as the every day? I think it's, I highlighted the strategic plan, the priorities for the school, but it is then, we have positive education as an agenda item on our agendas for meetings. So that just brings to the front about, and that's for everybody, that it's there to talk about. In different memos, there are character strength spotting. So our head of junior school does that very well in her memo to the staff. She's highlighting uh, different individuals and, you know, highlighting their particular character strengths. We have on each whiteboard in each of the staff rooms, there's a question up there every day. So it might have been just something about, you know, what's your greatest, you know, favourite song or whatever it might be. So it's actually just trying to bring a a difference into the staff room around people sharing their, their own gifts, talents or their expertise. So trying to bring out what people enjoy their passions, their interests. So that's shared on each of the whiteboards in each of the three staff rooms because we've got three different campuses. But I think underneath all of this, it is about that long-term planning and making it a priority in your professional development sessions that, you know, you plan for throughout the year. So there's lots of competing demands, but I think if you're going to invest in something like this, it's not just the one-off. We could have easily done the three days with you, Susie, Yes. and then think that it's going to. And that would have been actually a waste of our resources, a waste of the investment that we put into it. So I think for any school, it just can't be left to chance. It's actually got to be planned and supported and keep working on different areas. I can see that maybe mental toughness and resilience for the teachers, for the staff, to actually really deepen their, their knowledge about that area, but also give them the tools about how they can become more resilient in a very complex school setting because teaching is a very giving profession. Definitely. Yes. And so you need to find ways to fill yourself up. So, Definitely. And you've mentioned so many wonderful stories and, I guess, initiatives that have worked well. Is there anything else uh, that we may have missed that you think has worked particularly well at St Columba? At the end of last year, after 12 months, one of the sessions that we did have before we finished the year, we had a half day to dedicated and we had we asked for volunteers who'd like to share something about their work in this area. And I was really surprised because we had 18 teachers that put their hand up and we had eight in different workshops. So they were sessions where, you know, they went for half an hour. So it was a snapshot of what we had science teachers, we had classroom teachers, we had English teachers you know, just sharing something about what they've been working on and uh, sharing something that they've seen a, a change. So growth mindset was something that was evident that teachers had started to work on. So using a common language around that with yes. between teachers and across classes, I think we're, uh, we're doing okay. Fantastic. And anything in terms of a a barrier or perhaps something that you might have done differently or I guess pearls of wisdom for those listening in today? I don't think you can take it for granted that if you run a session for staff that everybody's on board. Everybody hears it, everybody takes it on board in different ways. And so that's where communication, sharing ideas, sharing in different forums, either through emails or I mean, I could imagine that further down the track, we could have a podcast session, you know, a space where teachers could be sharing their work. Because I know that many of us listen to podcasts in the car coming to, yeah. to work. So there's, yeah, it just opens up different opportunities. But I think having a, a dedicated space where the resources could be housed would be something where 
yeah, we could look to into the future. Fantastic. And I guess the last formal question does relate to that. Typical coaching question, Leanne, as you would know. So where to next or what would you ideally be telling me if we were having this conversation in five years' time? What's happening at St. Columba? I think in five years' time, I'd love to be able to see or to be able to observe a very strong community where families, their children and our staff and the wider community very much recognise that we are doing something very different here for building the capacity of our young people, building their opportunities, but providing, I suppose, the opportunity for them to really take control of their lives in a way that's going to make a difference to their happiness. And what uh, young people can experience can be sometimes quite traumatic for them. So what, you know, opportunities for them to be able to overcome those, you know, those bad events, overcome those times in their lives which has deeply affected them, but they actually find a way forward that they can move into a positive future and have optimism and hope about that future so that we've got very calm classrooms, very calm school around uh, strong positive relationships between each other. I think that would be my hope for the next five years. Fantastic. And uh, I guess I often, and I think it may have been you, Leanne, referred to a principal that once asked me if I had a magic wand, a wish for a senior high school student walking out the gates for the very last time, what would be the key psychological skills? And um, I guess that that's what you're referring to, is equipping them with some of these key, particularly psychological capacities that are going to help them deal with the challenges that are going to no doubt arise through their lifetime beyond beyond school um, and also to be their best selves, really. So thank you so much. That sort of brings us to the end of the formal interview, Leanne. But I, I do have a couple of, or oh, one in particular, quick question. And I'm often, you know, asked what would be the one book, if I was only going to read one book or perhaps a podcast that you might recommend for anyone interested in learning more about positive educational or positive psychology, what might be the go-to ones that you might recommend? Oh, look, I've just finished listening to the last couple of weeks was uh, All in the Mind, which is on ABC. So Martin Seligman was on there. So there's two sessions for All in the Mind. So it was just a great podcast. Or There's two of them, as I said, just to uh, refresh around some of the research around this kind of area. I particularly liked his second one, which is about optimism and hope. And uh, overcoming pessimism. So I'd recommend that to any of the listeners. Are you reading anything at the moment related to <laughs> cycle posed? I know for me, I'm actually preferencing the podcast um, because, as you said, you can listen to them in the car or when you're walking. But is there anything that's reading or in your posed library that's popular at the moment at St. Columba? You put me on the spot there, Susie. Uh... Okay. I mean, you've mentioned uh, mindset, which I know a lot of schools are familiar with and utilising, so I'm assuming a direct uh, mindset yeah, in there. Yeah, exactly. That's on my, I've read that book a couple of times now. That's on my bookshelf, so I quite like that one. And I've actually used uh, some of her work with our students around fixed and growth mindset and about, um, I think she's got some great things in that book to be able to share with younger people. So, you know, certainly that's one. I, one of the things that you asked me right at the beginning is yeah. about a flourishing fact. So what I have done, though, is join a book club. So... Oh. And in the business of what I do, uh, I actually find that a very balanced way of just reading other material that's outside of education. So uh, that's what I have been doing. 
Fantastic. And yes, I did actually forget to ask you a flourishing fact, um, which we would normally ask up front. So um, for you, it's been joining a, a book club and experiencing, I guess, perhaps some uh, non-educational texts. Is that right? And I know yeah, you also right. mentioned that you're a big fan of uh, keeping up your physical fitness, Leanne. That's right, Susie. Yeah, you've hit it yeah. on both ways. Cool. And that really reiterates uh, the mantra that, as you would know, is used quite extensively in positive education, which is learn it, live it, which is so important, particularly if you're going to teach it and before you embed it. So, Leanne Carr, you are, are a walking, talking exemplar of uh, positive psychology and positive education. And it's been a pleasure working with you and the school. And Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and experiences today at St. Columba and hopefully we'll have an opportunity to chat again soon. Thank you so much, Leanne. Thanks so much, Susie. Thanks so much for listening to the Pioneers of Positive Education podcast series one brought to you by our sponsor, Perth College, who will be hosting the upcoming Positive Education Conference in Perth on Saturday, 27th of October. Don't forget to sign up for our free e-news at the Positivity Institute website, where you'll be kept in the loop for all things positive. Bye for now.